Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter number 13. Romans chapter number 13. I count it as always a great honor and privilege to get to preach the word of the Lord. This is the best church in the whole entire universe. And it's a privilege to get to preach the word. I have been heavy with what I'm going to preach to you this morning. Because sometimes you come to a pulpit and you preach something that's a declaration. Sometimes you preach faith. And the word is filled with faith, obviously. And sometimes you preach on different lines of things. And this morning, I felt instructed all week long to preach a little bit of a warning. So I don't do that lightly, and I hope I do it with the right attitude and spirit, and I hope I come across the right way. But there are just some times the word of the Lord gets in you, and you've got to share something to put, a, to put a sign up and say, hey, beware. Hey, watch this. Hey, look at this. Sometimes it, it just has to happen. So this morning I feel led to do that. Romans chapter 13, beginning at verse number 11. And do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. How many of you know Jesus is coming back? And he's coming back soon. The night is far spent and the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly. As in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. A unique title this morning, but I'm going to preach to you in the next few moments on the dangers of sleepwalking. The dangers of sleepwalking. Can we set our Bible down and in exchange of that, can we lift up our hands and ask the Lord to help us? The Word's been read. The Word's going to come forth. Now we've got to keep that spirit of response. Lord, we receive what you're trying to say. We open our hearts that the seed of the Word of God would land on good soil. It would land in the right place. And that is on the soil of our life so that it could produce fruit out of it. God, I'm praying you help my lips and my heart to share what it is you gave to me. And what it is you want to say at this moment. Not a word more, not a word less. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. You may be seated. The dangers of sleepwalking. Marcia Morin was 47 years old and she lived in Massachusetts when she told Reader's Digest that in her lifetime she has sleptwalked many, many times. She left the house on occasion. She went and visited neighbors. She kicked through holes in doors. She even punched out a window. She got in arguments with her husband. You cannot use that from this day forward. You cannot. Oh, it was just sleepwalking. She even called 911 to report a crime that did not actually happen. All while having utterly no idea what she was doing, why she did it, and she had no recollection of the events. 
Christopher Samuel is 22-year-old. He lives in Monroe, Louisiana. He was found walking the parking lot of his apartment complex trying to open the doors to cars. Police came and found him while he was inside a 1994 Chevrolet pickup truck. He was detained for attempted burglary, but later discovered that the whole time he had been sleepwalking. He went to bed in his own bed, and he woke up handcuffed in the back of a cop car. It's terrifying. On December 14, 2021, deputies in Barnes County, North Dakota, rescued a man on the ice on a Tuesday morning who had told them he was sleepwalking. He literally went and walked on thin ice. Someone reported a man yelling around 8.20 in the morning on the Ashtabil Lake, and when they arrived, the man was 100 yards from shore, sitting on the ice wearing nothing but a t-shirt and blue jeans. He was eventually transported to a near hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. Now, the next one I have a picture of the guy, Dylan Fogg. He's a 20-something-year-old. He's a fisherman from Southern California. He was working with a crew off the coast of Ventura Bay. He went to bed exhausted, and somewhere between the hours of 3 a.m., and 5 a.m., he got out of his bed, walked over to the side of the boat, and stepped off. He fell into the water, and as he reports, he immediately woke up. I bet you he did. As he watched swimming in the waters of Ventura Bay, he watched his ship keep on sailing. But he was conscious enough to position himself in the shipping lanes to try and signal for help. He floated in the water watching three ships pass him by. And he stayed there in those frigid waters for five hours. Finally, the fourth cargo boat saw Dylan rescued him from the frigid waters on the night that he sleepwalked. Now... I'm not going to take a poll, nor will I ask the question. You don't have to stand. You do not have to admit if you're a sleepwalker. Are you thankful? Because maybe there's some here. I know of somebody very close to me. They're not in my household right now. But they got out of bed one night, sleepwalking, walked across, the, walked across their room, got back in bed. And the next morning when they got up, they tried to step out of bed and collapsed under an enormous amount of pain because in the middle of the night, they stepped out of bed, stepped directly onto a golf ball and fractured their foot. And he didn't even know it at the time and woke up the next morning with a broken foot. Imagine going to bed and everything's fine only to wake up the next morning and need surgery. It's a phenomenon known as sleepwalking. It's also known as somnibulism, which is often caused by hereditary genes. It's caused by overexhaustion, interrupted or unproductive sleep, or sleep disorders like sleep apnea, where a person will get up out of bed unknowingly, unconsciously, and walk about to perform some type of normal activity. It's bizarre. 
to say the least. It's bizarre. Sleepwalking in the physical, that is terrifying, to be honest with you, to think about. It is startling to imagine that people have done this type of things. It's a little bizarre, if we're honest. And let's just be truthful about it. It's pretty comical. I mean, it's pretty funny to step off a boat in the middle of the night. It's terrifying, but that's also, there's a little bit of humor. Thank goodness he survived or I wouldn't have told the story. Sleepwalking in the physical could be terrifying, could be startling. But sleepwalking, ladies and gentlemen, I've not come to talk about that, to harp on it and give you the science behind it and give you the facts around it. I've not come this morning to preach to you on the phenomenon of sleepwalking, but there is a thing in the Bible, and there is a thing in 2022 of sleepwalking in the spiritual that can happen. And anyone that would sleepwalk in the spiritual, let me warn you today, that is dangerous and troublesome and alarming. Physical sleep is a natural needed function of the body, but spiritual sleep according to the Bible, is not a natural phenomenon. And it is not something we should acquire to attain. A spiritual symbol of sleep is death or a negative symbol of spiritual laziness. It is spiritual sleep that endangers your eternal soul. The Bible calls it spiritual torpor. That's the name of it. It's inactivity. It's Lethargy, it's being disconnected, apathetic to surroundings where your consciousness is suspended for a time. Now, we all know and have heard the statistics about drowsy drivers. You can be behind the wheel of a car and be sleepy. And to have a drowsy driver, it slows your reaction time and decreases your awareness and impairs your judgment. And drowsy drivers contribute to 8 to 9% of accidents and crashes in cars. So about 100,000 crashes each year are caused by drowsy driving. And drowsy driving results in 71,000 injuries a year, 6,400 fatalities. But ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, there is something more dangerous than drowsy driving that's taking place right now. There is something that's more dangerous than just the natural phenomenon of sleepwalking in the physical. But now, more than ever, I'm preaching to somebody. And I'm preaching this word on this Sunday morning to somebody that might be spiritually asleep. To tell you it is time to wake up. It is time to get your consciousness back. It is time to get your alertness back. It is time to shake yourself to be awake. Now is not the time to fall asleep walking with God. Now is not the time to fall asleep in this day and age, in this hour. But somebody here has got to hear the sounds coming out of my, and the words coming out of my mouth. We have got to wake up. Spiritual sleepwalking is like this. It's lethargic to spiritual disciplines. It's disconnected from corporate worship. It's little to no personal prayer or Bible reading or devotion. It's more connected to culture than it is the church. It's cynical and critical of the spiritual. 
It's disconnected from the preached word. It's choosing pleasure and entertainment over what's spiritual and good for my soul. That is what spiritual sleepwalking looks like. And I'm afraid, I'm afraid the danger of preaching a message like this on a Sunday morning to very good people, to very, very good people, the danger is this, for somebody to hear what I'm saying and say, that's not for me. That that definitely applies to somebody else across the way. But you hear me, I've spent all week praying for myself, saying, God, help me stay awake. God, let me not drift away from this. Let me not drift off for the cares and concerns of the world. Let me not drift away from where I'm supposed to be right now. God, keep me awake right now. I don't want to sleepwalk through this life. I don't want to sleepwalk in this time. I need your help to stay awake because now it's high time to awake out of sleep. For our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. And if the first century church, Paul can write those words, how much more in 2022 should we realize the fact that now we are closer to our salvation than when we first believed. See, this, this struggle with staying awake, maybe somebody will fall asleep today. This struggle of staying awake, it's not new to us. And even the pressure of the times that we live in right now, it's not new to us. It's happened before. And Jesus gave us warning about it. Matthew chapter number 26 Beginning at verse 37, if you have a Bible with you. Matthew 26, beginning at verse 37. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. They're in the garden of Gethsemane. And he saith unto them, My soul, Jesus speaking, is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry here and watch with me. So he went a little further, verse 39. And fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Jesus is about to go endure the cross. And he's in the garden and he's praying. So verse 40 happens. And he cometh unto his disciples. And watch. He found them asleep. And saying unto Peter, Could you not watch with me one hour? Could you not stay awake long enough with me to pray? In verse 41, watch and pray that you enter not in temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, if you were to look up this same account of Scripture and look it up in the book of Luke, chapter number 22, you find something very interesting that's said here. Luke 22, verse 44, and being in agony... He prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it is drops of great blood falling down to the ground. Now watch. And when he rose from prayer and was come to his disciples, see the words that are on the screen. He found them sleeping for sorrow. I've been stirred about this particular passage all week, like all the passages that I'll read to you this morning. I've been stirred about this particular one because I feel like I believe this is very much a parallel to where we are right now. We're in a very critical hour and a very critical moment 
And there's a, very, there's a lot of events happening around us. Maybe we can explain some of them. Maybe we can't explain all of them. But there's a very critical hour that was happening just in this passage, and it's happening here. And if we are not careful, we can let sorrow overtake us. We can let the news cycle and the perpetual list of events that just keep on. And listen, ladies and gentlemen, it ain't going to stop. It's probably not going to get any better. And we can attach ourselves or be so overwhelmed by the things that we hear and the see. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, you and I were not made to intake all of the things we're being forced to intake. You and I were not made for that. We can't deal with the constant notifications. Can somebody tell you that and it's okay? You weren't made to be bombarded where you can get text, email, Facebook messages, DMs, whatever it was, to receive all this stuff, to watch all these things. You weren't made to handle that. And yet the weight of it can rest so heavy on a person that it can cause them to slumber and sleep, to disconnect from a conscious state of being alert and aware of what time it is and where we're at and what's going on in the world and you can carry and weigh all this stuff on you and it drag you down to sleep. And the disciples right here are experiencing it. The weight of Jesus in the garden, his prayer. The weight of the crucifixion that's about to take place. All the events. And they slept for sorrow. Can I tell you this morning, it's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to lift up our heads and open our eyes, disconnect ourselves from some things, and say, I've got to stay awake. I've got to wake up now. I cannot be so overwhelmed by everything in the world that it causes me to miss what God is trying to do. I can't be overtaken by it, but it's high time. To awake out of sleep for our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The Bible warns us in Ephesians 5. Wherefore he saith, awake thou out of sleep, verse 14. And arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. I've said this in a lot of youth gatherings. I don't know if I've ever said it from this pulpit. You want to know what our greatest opportunity and our greatest hindrance is? Time. What you spend your time on. Listen, you can't go all week and eat nothing but pancakes and bacon and cupcakes, eat nothing but donuts and all that. That's the only thing you eat. And then expect to feel really good when you, show, when you wake up on Monday morning or whenever and say, yeah, I'm going to go for a run. You try it. See how far that gets you. Less than a quarter of a mile in, you're going to be sucking for air, wishing your mama would hold you. And she ain't coming. In the same manner, ladies and gentlemen, you cannot intake all of the filth and garbage and entertainment of the world Take it in second after second and minute after minute and hour after hour and watch all the movies that they're putting out and watch all of the, the shows that are on Netflix and take in all the media pundits and the political aspect. You can't take all that in and then expect yourself to be plugged into God. But you've got to take control of your time and redeem your time. Redeem it because the days are evil. 
So take back control of it. Redeeming the tithe. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now watch verse 18. And be ye not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now listen, I'm not going to preach on alcohol intoxication. There's Bible for it. There's references all throughout the Bible about alcohol intoxication. And you can read it and understand the things that it's teaching you and saying. But let me, let me pause. When I, read, when I read this portion of Scripture privately in study, there was something the Lord kind of stirred up in me, okay, that I wanted to share in this moment at this setting. And it's this. Alcohol and other substances are not the only thing you can get intoxicated on. You sure can get intoxicated on a lot of other things other than illicit drugs or other than alcohol or wine. You can become drunk on other things. You can easily become drunk on affirmation. Oh, I hope they like that post. I'm going to share it because I'd really like to get my like count up on that more than last time. And somehow, some way, in our own minds and hearts, and I feel like I'm way too hard on social media sometimes. I just don't like it. But sometimes we can let that be a place of our identity when it was never intended to be our identity. It was never meant to be the defining moment or purpose of who we are. And sometimes we can get so connected to what happens on there that we think that's how much people like me. As if some algorithm that I don't even know how it works, if it actually shows them so they can like it, that's how I'll know if people like me. Okay. You can be so intoxicated on entertainment. Let me tell you something that's so prevailing right now. Let me just, and this is maybe more for youth than it is for any other thing, any other person group in the room. Right now, Hollywood is at a, a, a climax, a, the highest point it's ever been, at putting out movies about supernatural events, supernatural things, end-of-the-world type stuff, superhero type stuff. Phenomenons that sweep over the entire world. Do you know why they are doing that? Do you know why they're doing that? Do you understand why they're pumping that kind of stuff out right now? Because one, the end of the world is coming. And number two, they're trying to rob your imagination. And they're trying to steal away anything that is truth of the word of God perverted enough to where you believe what they're showing you, not what's in this book. They have an agenda just like God has an agenda. And ladies and gentlemen, we've got to choose to not connect ourselves so much where we're intoxicated on entertainment, where we, it, we take in so much of it that we can't take in the Spirit of God. You can become intoxicated on media. You can become intoxicated on political opinions and pundits. You can become intoxicated with self. You can become intoxicated with pride. You can even become intoxicated with accomplishments. That somehow that 
merits your worth. And you can take all of these things in and they can just become what drives you and fuels you and makes you. But let me preach to you the word of the Lord this morning. The Bible says over and over and over again, and I'm going to read them to you, about in this day and age, being sober-minded. That phrase is not an accident. That phrase is not a, is, is not a random throwaway phrase in the Bible. But it is a command for which we ought to live right now. To have control over our minds. To be temperate and calm, collected in spirit and circumspect. That's how we ought to live. Here's what the Bible says, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, verse number 5. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Listen, don't believe the lie that you're supposed to be like everybody else. You don't have to be Capsulated by all the other things of the world. You don't have to be. You can live above it. You can live beyond it. 1 Peter 1, 13 and 14. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought into the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary the devil walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Titus 2, 11 and 12. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness, worldly lust, we should live soberly. We're called to live with the right spirit. We're called to live, to be diligent, to stay awake, to be alert. Listen. Cautiousness is not fearfulness. Listen, there's a prevailing feeling that if you are keeping your children back from watching something or you're keeping your family away from something and you're being cautious, that there's a prevailing lie out there that says, oh, you're just fearful. Oh, you're just afraid. You, you're, you're pumping fear into their spirit. You're, you're, you're living too fearful or whatever. No, 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 no. No, I'm living sober-minded. I'm living above what the world is telling me I ought to live. I'm living sober-minded. And me being cautious does not equate to me being fearful. I'm just living cautious about what I'm putting. You know, what's the, you know what the window is to the soul? That's old saying, the eyes. So I ought to protect these at all costs. I, I had no intention of going here, but here we are. God help me. This is dangerous. In Numbers, the book of Numbers, when they enter into the promised land, the Bible says, I think it's Numbers chapter 34. I'll go look it up later. They go into the children, they, the children of Israel walk into the territory. They walk in, and you know what the Lord commands them to do? He obviously, and you've probably heard the phraseology before. But he, go, he tells them to go in and tells them to take, pull down all the idols, right? You've heard that before. Tear down all the idols. Destroy all the molten images. Take them all away. But you know what else? It's so amazing. I think it's found one time in Scripture. 
It's in the book of Numbers, and I'll, and, and I'll look it up later. I wasn't planning on saying it, but it's just here. It tells the children of Israel to do this, to go destroy all of the pictures, all the pictures of the idols, the pictures of the other gods, anything that somebody would have painted and put up in their house, anything that somebody would have formed or fashioned and you could see it up on the wall, the pictures. He told them to go in and tear down all the pictures. You know why he told them to do that? Because he didn't want a child of God to walk into that place, to see that on the wall and wonder in their heart, I wonder what it would be like to worship that. I wonder what that God is. I wonder what that God did. I wonder what they were all about. He didn't want them to see it. Not because he's afraid of, 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 there's no fear involved, but it is caution to say, I don't want my imagination, and I don't want my heart, and I don't want my spirit to get connected to something it should not be connected to. And so anything that would cause me to stumble, I'm going to get it, get rid of it and get it out of the way. So you hear me, you hear me. Now is not the time to sleepwalk through life and to think that, oh, everything's going to be fine and I can live any way I want and maybe this message is for somebody else. No, this message is for everyone here. We cannot sleepwalk in this hour. It's too important. He's coming back soon and our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. He's coming. He's coming soon. Matthew chapter 13. There's a parable that Jesus tells. This is the best way I'll use how to describe it. Could you put the picture of the, the two images, the optical illusion up? Now, you've probably seen this before. It's on the internet for decades. I said that you know, facetiously. It's been up for a while. How many of you, when you look at this picture, raise your hand if you see a duck? That's the first thing you saw. Okay? How many of you, if the first thing you saw was a bunny rabbit? Wow. You know what they say, right? If you see the duck first, you're crazy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I made that up on, on site. I would have said it for the bunny rabbit if they'd ever had their hands raised more. I don't know what it means. You know, you know what it means? Nothing. Don't believe what you read on the internet about it. Doesn't mean anything. You just saw a duck. You just saw a rabbit. In the same way that this image on the screen where people, you look at it one way and you can see one thing, and you look at it another way, you can see another thing. In the same way, parables are much like that. Jesus would explain some and give clear definition, but also it depends on the angle in which you preach, the angle for which the, the context that it fits. Matthew chapter number 13 gives us the parable of the tares. Let's read it together. Because I feel like in this passage, and another passage I'm going to read, presents to us some dangers of sleepwalking right now. In another parable, verse 24, he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. I'm so thankful, and this is not a plug because I'm up here, but I'm so thankful that week after week, Wednesday, midweek, and after Sunday, Sunday worship service, each and every time that somebody stands in this pulpit, good seed is sown out. Are you thankful for that? That good seed is sown out into the congregation. That a faithful man or woman of God 
stands in a pulpit, and delivers the seed of the word of God. You ought to be careful of somebody standing up in a pulpit and preaching their opinion. But when they preach to you the word of God, it is a seed that can be sown into the heart and the life of a person and produce fruit that needs to come forth. And I'm thankful that good seed comes from this pulpit. So a man went out and sowed good seed in his field. Verse 25. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced the crop, the tares also appeared at that point. So the servant of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this here. While good seed was coming forth from the pulpit, while good seed was in the field being sown, While good seed was coming out trying to find a good place to land, simultaneously, the enemy also had an agenda. The enemy had a plan to sow some things that were not good seed, but that were actually weeds that would grow up with the wheat. And what happened at that day, see, in the beginning stages, you couldn't tell the difference. They all looked the same. The wheat and the weeds looked the same. It wasn't until they were full grown that you could tell. There's been somebody has come in and messed with this field. And at that point, it was not the farmer's job to come in and to rip out all of those weeds. Because if he would have done that, he would have destroyed the crop at the same time. So it wasn't his job to do it. But it happened. And it happened while... Men slept. Let me tell you a danger this morning about sleepwalking, and it's this. Your enemy is always on alert. And your enemy is an opportunist. Listen, that's not popular. And I sure wish I'd got something to set so that everybody would be running around here and screaming and shouting. It'd be awesome. But you listen to me. He's waiting for you to fall asleep. So that he could sow some things into your spirit. Listen ladies and gentlemen. That's why 2020 was so dangerous for so many people. Because while they disconnected themselves from a local church in that aspect. The enemy was able to take some seeds and throw it into their spirit. But listen. We are not ignorant of his devices. That we should be caught unawares. But ladies and gentlemen. Today we can recognize that the enemy is an opportunist. And I've got to live my life sober-minded, always on alert, looking, waiting. See, the Bible, the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, I read it a moment ago, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion. You know, lions will sometimes sit back and they will watch their prey for up to two or three weeks at a time study their movements, study the habits, study the activity, the things that they do, and they will wait for a vulnerable moment to jump out and attack their prey. So that's why the scripture tells us and describes him like a roaring lion because he's just watching. 
He's just watching and waiting for an opportune moment. He waited. The enemy waited until they fell asleep. Then he could sow the seeds. He was an opportunist. But that's why you have a preacher on Sunday morning that came with a message that he didn't really feel like preaching. But he came here anyways and he said, the Lord told me to say, look, you got to stay awake. Because you don't know what, you don't know, you don't know, you don't know the things that he may be trying to sow into you in this season that may bring about destruction in a future season. You don't know the things that he's trying to sow and the attacks and the things he's trying to prey on now. Because the second point of this is the dangers of sleepwalking is that your enemy, our enemy, has a long-term plan. He's in it to still kill and destroy. And if he can't do it in a moment, he'll sure do his best to do it over a lifetime. He has a long-term plan. But you hear me today, thank goodness for the love of God and the grace of God and the word of God that could be declared in the house of the Lord on a Sunday morning and tell us it's time to wake up. It's time to get up. It's time to arise up. Sister Courtney, I'm sorry for this. I apologize in advance. You're like, what are you about to do? Last Sunday we sang, I don't know, how, I don't know the song because I'm not musical at all and you don't want me to sing or play or do anything. Trust me. They sang that song and it's got that bridge, that thing that goes get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. You know what I'm talking about? Allow me to ruin it for you. There's probably like two or three times a week at about, I don't know, 6.45 a.m. I walk into my boy's room and with all the vigor that I can sing without waking a baby, with all the vigor I can sing, I'm like, get up, get up, get up, get up out of that bed. <laughs> and they hate it. <laughs> and I love it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm allowed to do dad jokes. I've graduated to that place. That feels good. I'm here on Sunday morning to tell you to get up. I'm here on Sunday morning to tell you to get up out of whatever thing you're sitting in, whatever thing has weighed you down, the sorrow of the world, the guilt, the shame, the weight, the problems. I'm telling you to tell you this morning, it's time to get up. The enemy may have a plan, but you hear me this morning, God's got a greater one. And God's plan can win if you'll just get up. Come on, it's time to wake up out of sleep. It's time to wake up from slumber. Now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. You are not a child of the night, but you're a child of the day. And God, He's trying to wake you up this morning. He's trying to wake you up. All of the parables of Jesus that he warned us of his coming, they all involve a reference to sleep, distraction, or lethargy. Five parables in the New Testament. Mark chapter 13. The doorkeeper said, don't be found sleeping because the master is coming back. The owner of the house, Matthew 24, comes as a thief in the the servant in charge, Matthew 25, the master delayed is coming. The ten virgins, Matthew chapter 25, all were sleeping. All of them. Parable of the talents, Matthew 25. There was, the reason we have good servants is because there was a lazy one. 
The only reason, ladies and gentlemen, the only reason we have these parables in Scripture, and forgive me for just a big phrase there, but the only reason we have these parables in Scripture, and I don't believe it's hyperbole, is to warn us that there are some that think they're okay, but they are not. They're asleep, and maybe they don't even know it. But this morning, you got a preacher telling you, you still got hope. You still got time. You still got a chance. And now is the time to wake up. Now is the time to pick yourself up and say, I will pray again. I will come to an altar again. I will commit my life again. I will go to him again. Now, there's one more story I want to tell you about the dangers of sleepwalking before I close. Acts chapter number 20, beginning at verse number 6. Acts 20. But we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in the five days joined them at trials, where they stayed seven days. Now, on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to part the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. Now, I'm going to keep reading, but like this is, this is the, the, the part of many jokes in a sermon. Like that some believe that he would have preached like six hours long. Now, I know the, the normal thing to say right here is, how many of you would love for me to do that right now? How many of you would love for me to preach six hours? You're already, like, you don't like the 30 minutes. Maybe you would like the six hours. That would be the normal joke to say right here about that verse of Scripture. But can I tell you, there's something about that that really stirs my spirit. That those people would want to sit in a room to hear the word of God taught to them for that long of a time that that group of people wouldn't be so caught up on a clock, wouldn't be so caught up on what's next. They wouldn't be caught up on everything happening. And they're so hungry for the word of God. Yes, it's the apostle Paul. But my goodness, look at them in the room hungry to hear the things of God. And I'm here to tell you sooner or later, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have to get back to that point. I'll say it. I'll go there. We fill our lives so much with stuff that we barely have room for an hour on Sunday of word. I'm guilty of it too. I'm not coming down on anybody. I'm guilty of it too. But I want to get to that place. That it really doesn't matter how long pastor stands up here and preaches. It's the word of God. And this is my opportunity to hear a man of God open this book and deliver food for my soul. Because all that other stuff I get all week is pretty useless and worthless to be honest with you. But this is eternal. And it's real. And it's good. And we've got to get back to loving it. And not letting ourselves be so overwhelmed. That we, can't, that we can't sit and learn and grow in the Word of God. Now, I'm not going to go that long this morning. But if, if by chance someone comes and they do, let's hear the Word of God. Let's take in the truth of Scripture. 
Let's not let anything else be more important than the word that gets preached to us. And there were many lamps in the upper, cha- upper room, verse 8, where they were gathered together. And in a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep. And he was overcome by sleep. And as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. Now this probably is one of my my favorite verses of, of Scripture, favorite passages and portions. And I've preached it a lot in youth settings over the years because I just love the analogies and the teaching and the, the things that it tells you inside of this, these few short verses. They're gathered together. There's many lamps on in the room. They've broken bread. They've eaten and they sit for hours listening to the Word of God come out of Paul's mouth and he teaches them. But there's a young man in the crowd What happens, what that young man does is so troubling because he takes himself, and watch, he takes himself and he sits in a window. You want to know why when he sits himself in a window? You want to know why that's so troublesome? Why that's such a problem that he would do that? It's very simple because the window It's one of the only places in the house that you can see everything happening inside of the church and everything happening on the outside of the church in the world. He's put himself in a place where he can have both if he wants it. He can still hear a little bit of the word of God that's going on in one ear, but out in the other ear, You know what he hears? He hears the sound of music. He hears the sound of talking. He hears the news of the day. He hears the other stuff that's going on. He gets to have both. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me. You cannot have both. You can't have both. Because the Bible says that as he sat in the window, the Bible says he was overcome with sleep. Let me pause right here and say this. Let Let me just say this. Please, please, I'm asking you as my church family, as as the assistant pastor here, that I feel very honored to get to do that. Please, please don't ever let me sit in a window. If you ever see me, if you ever see me and you see something's off about my position or my place, and I know nobody wants to come up and correct or rebuke or do all that kind of stuff, but would you love me enough to come tell me? And would you love me enough to come help me for a moment? And we've got to do our best not to let people sit themselves in a position where they can have either or any time that they want it. But it's got to be on us to help get them out of the window. And as he's sitting in the window, the Bible says, a deep sleep came on him. Now again, the problem with this is that he is sleeping while the preaching is happening. Let me tell you what I think this teaches us. That if you sleep while the word is being preached, then a fall is inevitable to come. That if while the man of God is up here delivering to you the truth of God, or the woman of God is delivering you the word of God, and it's being preached, and you've positioned yourself in a place 
that you can't properly receive it and a sleep starts to come over to you, then a fall is inevitable. I've seen so many people sleep through preaching and eventually fall into false doctrine, immorality, mistakes, problems, other things. Because I'm not saying life will always be perfect, but you hear me. I've watched it happen. Their sleep causes their fall. And that's a danger of sleepwalking through life and not hearing the word of God. Is that a sleep overcomes you. And you miss out on what God is trying to teach you. What God is trying to tell you. What God may be speaking. Listen, we can't take one service for granted. We can't take one service for granted. But to hear the word of God preached into our spirit. Maybe today. Maybe today will be the day something awakens inside of you. Where we don't fall. Where a fall is not going to happen because we woke up at the right time. And got ourselves out of a position to hear the word of God and respond to the word of God. Would you stand with me? Musicians, you can come. Listen, I know there's a danger in preaching this type of thing. I've tried my best to you know, preach the word and deliver things that I've been burdened about all week. The danger in preaching this is the response of people now and moving forward. And that maybe this was for somebody else. Maybe it was, maybe it connected and resonated on some levels, but it doesn't bring about any change. Well, let me tell you something the Lord kind of spoke to me about over the last probably few weeks. And I shared it at, I shared it at Iglesia this past Sunday night. But I really felt, as this sermon comes to a conclude, as a conclusion and a close, and as heavy as I felt this all week, I felt like explaining this here in this moment. You see, we many times think God and His kingdom comes on levels. Like if you're at this spiritual, you're on this level. And that somebody else is on a different level. And I'm not... I'm not arguing that there can be growth and there could be, you could move forward in God. I'm not arguing that at all. But many times we think of levels when it comes to the things of God. Somebody's here, and then somebody's here, and then somebody's here. And we think that people are going to get to a certain level, and that's our thinking. But listen, Scripture paints a different picture than the level idea. Because we think of it as here and here and here. But the Bible actually says it's more like this. Because it describes things like this. You're either wise or you're foolish. There's either works of darkness or there's the armor of light. You're either a sheep or a goat. It's either wheat or it's tares. Some were taken in the field or in the bed, right? Some were left in the field or in the bed. It's either righteousness or wickedness. It's either awake or asleep. And the beautiful thing about that is that while you have breath in your body, you still have a chance to get on the right side. 
that maybe you think, oh, there's this level in God that I got to get to, that maybe once I do this, I'll go here, once I do this, no, 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 no. You still have a chance to put yourself in the right side of things. To choose wisdom and righteousness, the armor of light, the things of God. To choose to be in the wheat. To choose to be awake. You still get that choice. And that choice exists right now. In this room. In this moment. And I feel and have felt all week. That somebody in this room will will feel throughout the sermon and the words that are preached and what's said, they'll almost feel like a hand is on their shoulder saying, would you wake up now? Would you, would you wake up? There, there's maybe a few little areas you've, you've kind of dozed off in. Would you, would you wake up for a second? Would you, would you wake up here in this moment? And I have felt and prayed that right here, right now, somebody would feel that hand on their shoulder telling them, Everybody else may think you're all right, but you know deep down inside, you need to wake up. You need to wake up and hear the word of the Lord. You need to wake up and come back to Him. Normally we ask everybody to come down to the front, but here's what I want to ask. If you feel like you've been asleep, and you really want to wake up because salvation is near, I want to open this front for you to come pray. Nobody's judging, nobody's tearing down, nobody's against you. But everybody heard the same word, and they want to be awake just like you do. So would you come, would you make yourself vulnerable for a second? Just say, I really want to be awake. I really don't want to sleepwalk through this life. I realize there's dangers that I'm not even aware of. Come on, lift your voice as you pray. That's okay, lift your voice. Please don't come out of habit or ritual, but please come because the urgency of the moment exists. Come on, would you take a moment and cry out to Him? Would you lay your heart down for a moment? on the altar of God and just say, I got to wake up. There's been some lethargy and some things I missed and I've really got to wake up now.